Hey, uh, so again, if you're visiting with us today, we're in the, at the tail end of a series uh, exploring our core values. What, are the, uh, what does it look like to be a community filled with joy? What does it look like to be a community filled with peace? And what does it look like to be a community that's uh, a deep community? And what we mean by depth is a community that loves God deeply and loves one another deeply. And uh, we're going to be cycling through these key values you know, as long as we're around. And so when it comes to this particular cycle, looking at depth, the reality is that if you want to love people or if you want to do anything missional, if you want to live a life of any substance and fruit, it begins with having an interior life with Jesus that's really flourishing. And so last week we explored from John 15 and a number of other passages about the invitation of Jesus to just live and abide and remain in him. And this week what I want to do is just, is just focus purely on the, on the practical side of that. What does it look like for us to develop an interior life of Jesus? So we have a handout this week. Uh, so Pete and Chris and maybe Paul and, um, I don't know, Bryce or whoever, can you, we've got a box here. Can we hand out these to the congregation? This is your take-home uh, exercises. And uh, this is going to, uh, and we're going to work through some of this this morning. And all I've done in here in this document is I've given you the tools that I use in my devotional life with Jesus. And I think it's helpful to have more than one tool in your tool belt. So uh, sometimes, so over the years following Jesus, uh, these are the tools that I keep coming back to. The reason I say that though is that this is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the tools that are available to us to help shape and give structure to our interior life with Jesus. And so I want to work through this. So feel free, I know most of you guys are going to um, skim through and have a quick look and uh, raise your head. That's fine. That's human nature. But we're going to work our way through some of this. Um, before we do that, though, I just want to underline, again, especially if you missed last Sunday's sermon, and it, this is a two-part a two sermon. So if you missed last week's, it's going to like you're landing halfway through um, a bit of a journey that we're taking. I just want to underline that our interior life with Jesus is so important, and I want to underline that life is found when we're close to Jesus, and that the, the biggest struggle, though, is staying close to him. And especially because we live in an unbelievably distracted and busy and overstressed world. And that's where, when it comes to our value of peace, one of the big things that we're going to try and rage against as Bay Vineyard Church is overwork, is busyness, is just no margin in our lives. What we're trying to cultivate as we follow Jesus, as we're his apprentices, is a lifestyle, is rhythms, is a pace of life that matches Jesus' pace of life. Because we want to build the kingdom the king's way. We don't want to build the kingdom the world's way. You can build the kingdom the world's way, but I've seen too many souls chewed up and spat out because people, their ends justify the means. Where it's like, oh man, you know, we're getting all this stuff done, but people are dying because it's just too intense. And so we're going to try and slow life down so our pace of life matches Jesus' pace of life. And Jesus' pace of life was not rushed or stressed. You never see that in the Scriptures. He was always present to people in front of him. And so one of the great challenges that fights for an interior life with Jesus is our phones. I mean, we've got, we, we are so culturally blind to how crazy the world is that we live. Like, if 
you transported someone from Jesus' time into our world, they would probably think this is an outer ring of hell. <laughs> like people are just foot to the floor and just are on these things all the time. And um, now, where's Grace? Hypocrite in transition. <laughs> Amen, right? So that's our church motto. We're hypocrites in transition, especially the pastor. Okay, so I'm not preaching, I'm not on my high horse trotting around looking down at all you peasants thinking one day you're going to be all super spiritual like me. I'm like going, man, I'm, I'm, in, I'm broken, guys, so let's take a journey together. And in the last um, week and a... This is how recent, depressingly, this is. <laughs> in the last week, because, um, I mean, the fight's been there for a few years, but I feel like I'm just getting a little bit of breakthrough, but it's nowhere near cemented in yet, so the concrete's just so wet you can draw your name in it, man, but it's like... But uh, on my phone, so I've got an Android phone. This is getting in the weeds here. I've got this Android phone. Hey, I t- come on. Yeah, yeah, so it's divided, divided the church immediately. But here's, here's the win for us Android users. You can download this app called App Detox. And you can set when you can look at certain apps. So I can't look at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, any of those, all my social pipes, from the moment I wake up, I can, I can start looking at them at 10 o'clock in the morning. And then it turns off again at 5 o'clock after my day ends uh, and that's until, until midnight, which is when it starts again. And it's changing my life because I'm like, A, I'm realising how addicted I am to it because every time I go to open it, a little message says, oi, mate, you know, Confucius says Facebook bad for you. It has these little kind of cheeky things. And I'm like, man, I've just got muscle memory that's going to these apps. But the reason that I'm trying to do it is because I want to be a better husband to my wife and I want to be a better father to my children because I've realised I'm not that present. Right? (laughs) Not often does my wife thoroughly agree with me from the front, but she is very much on board with this. But also because I want to I wanna be able to sit with Jesus and just, I want to detox all of that stuff. So sell your iPhones. Because <laughs> uh, you can't do that on an iPhone. Or you just have to work out, you have to get strong on all of this stuff. But here's the reason I want to do this is because I want to have an interior life with Jesus that's flourishing because he says, I am the life. And when you tap into Jesus, you're tapping into life. But also... The reason I want to do this is because I want him to be my refuge. Like, life is tough. Life is brutal. Um, You just don't know when you're going to get king hit, and everyone gets king hit. And if it's not a big thing, there's just those little, like, life can be really, really tough. And what I long for us as a people is to be a people that go to Jesus when it gets tough, not to the other things that say, I will ease your pain. And in my history, I've gone to alcohol to ease my pain. I've gone to pornography to ease my pain. I've gone to Burger King to ease my pain. <laughs> I've gone to all these things, and they, they ease your pain but for a moment and then leave you way worse. They always do. Jesus is the only one that when you run to him in the midst of all the pain in your life, he restores you. And listen to this uh, from Psalm 61. Hear my cry. David went through hell and back. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. 
oh, doesn't that just sound beautiful? Like, I don't know what you're going through, but God wants to just shelter you. Jesus wants to shelter you this morning. And like in that place, it's a true refuge. Like you get healing in that place. So it's just so important that we cultivate an interior life with Jesus. And it has to be more than just an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. Like I'm all over this gathering. I love it. I absolutely, I can't, I just can't get here quick enough. It's a pain in the backside. We have to set up all the stuff and all the rest of it. But it's like, it's worth it. It's just worth every bit of effort because I just love gathering together and worshipping and opening the word and the kids going crazy and, you know, and every time there's, you know, visitors and there's some of you here this morning, we're like, ooh, this is exciting because it's early days for us as a church and all that stuff. And it's like, oh, wow, this is so beautiful. But if that was it, I'm in trouble. So what does it look like for us to cultivate an interior life with Jesus? Well, I want to go through a couple of uh, thoughts around here, practically about what it looks like to follow Jesus into lonely places and to, to, to cultivate a deep relationship with God. The first thing that we have to look at here, and it's on your sheet is point one, is time. Uh, we have to look at when we're going to spend time with Jesus. And can I say, if you feel like your interior life with Jesus is a bit on the back foot, uh, some of you guys have, have very strong um, rhythms here. So this, I don't want to teach you how to suck here because I just hopefully I'm going to encourage you. I'm speaking to the people who just right now are going, man, it's, it's, it's wobbly at best, right? So the first thing you've got to work out is like, when are you going to hang out with Jesus? On your own, ideally. Um, now, it's normal to pray, and, like Jesus is with you all the time. So, so you can, of course, you can talk to him throughout the day and in the middle of your work and on the bus and all those sorts of things, absolutely. But if you think of it like any other relationship, it would be very broken if the only time you talked to your significant other was in the rush from all, and all the other stuff that you've got going on in your life. Like, Jesus is always there waiting for us, but if you want a deep life with Jesus that's really rich, you've got to have more than just praying as you run. We've got to find times in our week to just hang with Jesus. Now, this is the going to be, I can feel the ear <laughs> go out of the room a little bit, you know, because it's like, because immediately it's like, how can I do that? Isn't it crazy how the enemy has got us so busy that to find a little bit of time in our lives is just seems like the mountain that's too hard to climb? But this is the most important time we can ever spend it isn't priority number one for me or for most of us, but it should be. Because this is when we stay connected into the vine. And as I said last week, the pruning that has to happen on most of our vines or the things that need to be chopped off, the branches that need to be chopped off, one of the big ones is just busyness. Where somehow we have to work out how we can slow down enough that we've got margin in our lives to spend a bit of time with Jesus. You know, and to maybe get up a little earlier or to disappoint someone or to do whatever it takes to cultivate a bit more space to spend time. Now, what I want to model this morning is that you don't need heaps of time. So I'm not talking like the classic thing's been like an hour, you know, devotional every day with Jesus. It's like, you know, even I'm willing to say that's a, that's a click too far for, well, I can actually do that because I'm a pastor, which is just a glorified volunteer. So, like, I live off donations and, you know, I've got a lot of margin in my week because my life is 
you know, centered around this community. And so one of the few perks of the job of being a pastor is that I've got some margin in my nine till five time to spend time with Jesus. But I'm speaking for most of you who have normal jobs and are carrying all sorts of stuff. What does that look like? Well, it's going to be tough to do the hour a day, um, which I can actually find. But so here's, here's my thing for, that I'd love to encourage us to think about is to find two 20-minute slots a week, ideally in the morning, but that's okay, ideally before 11, you know, so even if it's mid-morning, two 20-minute slots a week. And this would be great for like, Maybe the, the challenge for this term, whoa, sorry, Chris. The challenge for this term is to maybe find a little bit, a few, a little bit more time. And now, what do you do with that time? I'm going to go through some ideas in a second. But I really would like to, for you to wrestle with this because it's worth it. Oh my gosh, is it worth it? It's so worth it. Okay, so. Um, I want to just go through a bunch of tools that I've found super helpful because it's like, well, what do you do? Now, of what you'll notice that what's not in here is worship music and podcasts because that's, like, most people know how to do that. So it's like, which is cool. So I'm like, there's no problem if you just want to spend 20 minutes where you have 10 minutes of worship, where you listen to some Hillsong or some Bethel or whatever, and then 10 minutes of listening to Tim Keller or listening to a podcast on the way to work or whatever it may be. That's awesome. Like the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So that's just, and it's easy to do in the car and all that sort of stuff. So I'm like, that's a, it's low-hanging fruit. Most people know that a quiet time involves some Bible or some teaching or some worship, okay? Here's a bunch of other things that I've found really helpful if you can find the time and I just want to just, just because I know I'm feeling it in the room, like that's a big one. Um, can I just say the Holy Spirit can help you with that? Because it's not like, oh man, I'm on my own. Somehow I've got to work out how to do this. You are, you are cleverer than you think you are. You're smarter than you think you are. And you've got the Holy Spirit wanting you to, des- desperately wanting you to do this. And so as I've said in, in the little uh, blurb there, if you're not sure, have a chat with someone that, that is going to mutually encourage you on some of this. And pray together, Lord, show us when this could happen. Like if it's a, pro- I'm not going to hold your hand on this, friends. If it's a priority, you will fight for it. I'm not going to hold your hand on this. And we've got to start feeding ourselves here rather than be little babies that get, self- that get spoon-fed every Sunday. Come on. <laughs> I, need, I need my silver. I need a silk anky or something, man. I'm getting warmed up. Yeah, okay. Hold your, and for the boys, hold yourself accountable. I'm going to hold some boys accountable. Some boys have put their hands up and said, I'm up for this this term. I'm going to hold a number of our boys in this church accountable to this time this term, where it's like we're going to go up a click with Jesus, okay? So here's a bunch of tools. The first one's soap. Uh, now, this is uh, one that I found super helpful because I'm like, I want to get into the Bible, and I want to, but I also want to commune with Jesus. Some of you guys may have heard of this one before, but what it... All it is is this, go to a place where you can sit ideally without too much distractions and your Bible. I suggest you open it to your New Testament or to the epistles. The Old Testament is helpful, but, uh, but it is, the Bible isn't a flat text where everything in the Bible has the same weight. The words of Jesus trump anything in the Old Testament. You've heard it said, but I say. So the words of Jesus are the ultimate revelation of God's heart. 
And before that is an unfolding revelation of the nature of God. And so we've got to wrestle with that in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, especially in the red letters, it's the supreme revelation. Hebrews, Hebrews says he's the exact representation of his being. Jesus is the exact representation of what God is like. And so let's look at, so I suggest the Gospels or the Epistles as they wrestle with what it looks like to follow Jesus. And what you do with the soap is that you write down in a journal these, the letters, S-O-A-P. So you write with S. And as you read through the Gospels or the Epistles, you just read slowly and prayerfully saying, God, would you speak to me? Would you... Would you uh, would a, a word or a sentence or a, or a phrase pop out at me from you that I would just I would be prayerful around? So you're just reading the Bible slowly, just and then there'll be every time I've done it, there's been like ooh, ooh, there's been a little phrase that's popped out, and you write that down. S, and then O. You and, and the reason that you write is because it slows you down to really meditate and contemplate and to just dwell with God. So the O is observation. What's, what is it about that? See, so just, Lord, what is it that you're trying to say to me here? And I will write down, O, my observation about why I think that has popped out. The A is application. What does this mean for my life? Like, what does this mean? And sometimes that can be an easy conclusion. Sometimes that's just something I need to remember about God's nature or some truth, but I write that down. And then P, prayer. I just write out a prayer. Again, it slows me down and it helps me not get distracted. Lord, thank you that you could feed 5,000 and therefore you can provide for the, the, the lack I'm going through or whatever it may be. Thank you that whatever. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me. To, and, I, and then by the time I'm finished, that would take about 20 minutes, I'm feeling good because I've read the word, it's spoken to me, I've meditated on it, Psalm 1, the person that flourishes meditates on the word of God and then I've turned it into this dialogue with Jesus where I've been in communion with him and I've got in my uh, modern day diary pages and pages and pages of soaps where I've just sat down. Uh, I want to just say this as well, all of these tools, um, I choose on a whim. So literally I'm like, ooh, because I'm not here to do some religious ritual so that I tick the box so I feel good with God. I'm here to meet with Jesus. And so I'm like, so some days I'm like, ooh, soap's exactly what I feel like. You know, and I'm like, well, and then other days flag the soap and I don't do it for months and I use another tool that we'll go through in a second. So these are all just tools and they're here to serve me. I'm not serving them, okay? For everyone, commentaries. So again, I'm not going to buy these for you. You have to buy them. Uh, but uh, one of the most preeminent New Testament scholars is a guy called Tom Wright and he's written uh, these commentaries that enable us to know a little bit more about what's happening in the Bible because we are 2,000 years removed from the culture and the context and we are reading a translation of a language where people have kind of wrestled with what's the best way to say this in our language. And so he helps us to understand what's going on in the text in a way that makes it come to life. But the beauty is that he's not writing academically. Hallelujah. Like I like... I'm a, I'm a nerd on the, you know, theology stuff. I love all that world. But I'm a still just a bit of a, you know, a bit of a, you know, C's get degrees was my thing at, Bi you know, Bible college and all that. So 
I'm not like some like scholarly genius that's trying to like, wow, we've run my intellect. This for me is like, this is about my level, right? So I've given you an example here. And again, a way that you can engage with Jesus in this is you can buy the book and you can, I've got the passage in there. So you can even, the Bible can continue to accumulate dust on your bedside table or whatever, fine. Because you can read the, uh, the Bible passage in the uh, commentary. And then what I'd suggest you do is that you get your highlighter out and you work through the commentary, which is very devotional, and highlight what speaks to you. What is it that's resonated with you? What's a new insight there that can help you uh, in your um, understanding of what it means to follow Jesus? And then ideally you'd journal some of that again, just to cement some of that stuff down. Moving on. Ignatian contemplation. Oh, now we're getting hardcore. This, uh, this is uh, going to push some of you guys. This is probably at a level for those that are a little bit more mature in some of their disciplines. Uh, this may be a stretch for some of you, but uh, Ignatius was the Spanish priest and theologian who was like, what does it look like for us to enter into the story of the Scriptures? So he came up, and there's, I'm not, again, you're going to have to jump online if you want to find some ways. Again, the, what I'm trying to give you is structure to your devotional life to help you meet with Jesus. So he's given us some structure that helps us engage with Jesus here. And what Ignatian con uh, contemplation is all about is putting ourselves in the story that we're looking at. So Zacchaeus up the tree, for example, I think that's the example I've got here, is it? Yes, it is. So Zacchaeus up the tree. So you'd read through the story a couple of times, and as you read through it the first time, you're just looking for, again, what's the character or what... What kind of jumps off at me? Like, who, who am I in this story? Am I in the crowd watching this unfold? Am I Zacchaeus up the tree? Am I one of the disciples? Or is there some like, religious thing in me that's struggling with this? And maybe I, I find myself in the place of the religious leaders looking on? Or what's going? Or am I just a punter who just is a bit indifferent and has walked past it? And then you're trying to put yourself in that story. What do you hear? What do you smell? What, what does Jesus look like? when he just glances at you in the midst of that. And you're trying to just, and then you're reading through it again. And you're just trying to soak yourself in that story. And then you're trying to just go, what is the, what's Jesus trying to say to me as I put myself in the story? God has given us our imaginations. And they aren't like, I mean, they can be unhelpful, but they can be, they, they're a gift from God that can help us engage with the word in such a way that it comes alive. So that's uh, the next tool. Now we're coming back to uh, more uh, probably helpful territory for most of us. Now this is for people who feel like, man, I am, I'm going to struggle with that 20-minute thing. Um, this is the Praise You Go app. Now this is made by Jesuit monks. So for most of us, we've come from a charismatic, Pentecostal kind of world, and uh, and some of us may have mainline history, Anglican or whatever. Uh, this is a whole other stream that most of us haven't even tapped into yet when it comes to rich, spiritual, vibrant connection with God. But it's, it's a culture we're not used to. So it takes a little while to get used to some of this. Flip, how many disclaimers can you put in an um, intro? Um, I use this all the time. And this is like an Ignatian meditation, but they guide you through it. And so I'm going to give you a little example. Um, 
And so they have a prayer every day and one over the weekend. And again, here's a top tip if you want to just have all of these, if you want to increase your portals of prayer to hang out with Jesus, is that you bolt one of these practices next to an existing habit in your life. Because what's going to happen today is that hopefully you feel motivated to spend more time with Jesus, but motivation doesn't carry you, discipline does. Motivation can get you going, but it's discipline that keeps it as part of your life. And the best way to have the discipline, I find, is to attach it to another habit. So, for example, you might go, I read the Bible when I eat breakfast. So eating my wheat bix is the trigger that I read my Bible. And it's even easier if you're not looking at all the other apps. App Detox, another plug, right? So, uh, so I've bolted this habit to hopping in my car. So if I'm in the car on my own, the first thing I'll normally do is I'll play this. I'll play one of these um, devotions. And, uh, and I adore them. But now this is totally at random. This is today, so I don't know if it's a good one or not. And I'm not going to play the whole thing. Today um, is Monday the 23rd of July. The Feast of St. Bridget. They have, okay, I'm going to pause. They have different presenters. <laughs> this guy has a silver spoon in his mouth, and he's, just between you and me, he's not my favourite. <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a little disappointed it's this guy today. <laughs> but uh, I, I look past it because I'm not going to let that distract me. I want to meet with Jesus. A week of ordinary time. In the car. And I just, I'm just, it's the call to prayer. The call to prayer. And it's not our normal call to prayer, but this has historically been the call to prayer in, for, for centuries and centuries and centuries. My leg starts twitching and the accelerator starts moving. And, Now, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but what, what they do is they, they will then explain what they're singing, because it can sometimes be in French or Latin or different, uh, and then they will go slowly through a passage of Scripture, and then they will ask questions about how you feel about that passage, and then they will just have silence, or they'll have some just gentle background music, and you just sit with Jesus, and then they will play the passage again. And then, and you're just just immersing yourself in that story. And then they will ask you questions at the end, and they turn it into a prayer. And the whole thing is 13 minutes long. You guys have got thir- like in all of the rush, you've got 13. 30- now this is I'm, I want to ch- I want to push us to go into different streams. Like the church, the history of the church is like a banqueting table with all these different ways of engaging with God. And let's just try a few foods we haven't tried before and see if they work for us. The next one's going to definitely tick a box if you're charismatic evangelical or um, like a chandelier to swing off from time to time. But um, a few of you in the house, which is good. (laughs) Uh, I hop, worship and prayer. So this is another way of just... You know, again, in 1999, the International House of Prayer in Kansas City started a worship-based prayer meeting, and it has been going 24 hours a day since that time. So right now, I can go onto the IHOP app, and I can join in with worship and prayer. And it's songs we all know, and it's people, and they have um, worship uh, intercession with the word uh, sets. They have, oh lordy, they have lots of um, different things. So that's a great tool to use. Um, set prayers. Ooh, Charlotte's going to be so angry. Okay, I'm going to rip through some of this, and then we're going to finish with an exercise. 
These are set prayers that are my, uh, the very influential guy for me, a guy called Brian Zand, uses. These are church, the history has, uh, church history has uh, kind of given us. And so what he does is he works his way through these as a morning devotional. And, he, uh, and if you look on thing, as you go through that thing, you'll see gospel reading for the day or the psalm of the day. Um, the Jesus prayer is the one that's earlier, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And he says these out loud every single morning. And so me and Jim were trying to do this before Easter, um, and we had limited success in terms of whether we're doing it every day, but it was a big part of what we're doing before Easter. Um, and now it's one of the tools that I'll pop out from time to time where I will just work my way through these prayers. Because prayer isn't just about asking God to do something. Prayer is actually primarily about the formation of our own souls. So what uh, Brian Zahn says is that I want to pray prayers that are wiser than mine and are richer than mine, and have been vetted by the church, and have great wisdom. So as I pray these, I'm like, whoa, this is who you are, God. I mean, just, I love the, um, my high point in this is the prayer of thanksgiving near the end. And he says these out loud. He's like, say these out loud. But listen, Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and your loving kindness. To us and all whom you have made, we bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all, for your immeasurable love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ. And on you go. If you just say those out loud, that'll take you about 20 minutes. By the time you've finished, you're like super Christian, man. You're like on fire. You have prayed powerful prayers. And there's no, it's not like you don't have space for praying in tongues or your own personal intercession. It's all in there. So when you go back, a little bit earlier, you've got things like the Beatitudes, but then you've got uh, prayer and intercession. So that's where you pray for your family or you pray for the new Mercedes or whatever you're after. All right. Luke, we're going to bring it in a little late here. Um, prayers of Walter Brueggemann, again, are set prayers that are really helpful. The Lord's Prayer, I've mentioned this in a sermon in the past. You can cycle back to that if you want. The Lord's Prayer is not something that's just about saying this thing by rote. It's a structure that we use to frame our prayer. Our Father in heaven, our, I'm not on my own. I'm with the community. Father, you are my Father. You're not some dictator or some angry policeman. You're in heaven. There's this heavenly realm that's near. Hallowed be your name. I worship you and whatever. And you go through it like that. Here's my favorite, and we're going to land with this. We're going to do it as we finish. My favorite tool is uh, Peter Scazzaro's Daily Office. And uh, this is a good guided devotional, and it's going to take us, we're going to be seven or eight minutes late, but then we're going to finish. We're going to finish with a quiet time together. Uh, this is structured, and this is, oh my gosh, it's just so powerful. It starts with silence. We are very afraid of silence, and it's like this major issue in our lives because we don't have space to just be silent before the Lord and allow the things of our soul just to bubble up. And so it starts with two minutes of silence, and I use my watch or my phone to set the timer so I don't have to worry. I, keep, I always think the phone's broken or my watch is not working anymore because it drags on, but two minutes, and we're going to do it in a second. And then uh, there's a scripture reading, a devotional, a question to consider, and a prayer. And I've given you an example here, but you can order those online. And so I'm gonna, I want us to finish by doing a daily office. This is less than 10 minutes. This is not even 20. So this, and just, now in the silence, if you find your mind wandering away, bring it back to Jesus. And don't feel guilty about it. Every time you bring your mind back to Jesus, it's a choice you've made for Jesus. 
So if your mind wanders a thousand times, it's a thousand choices you've made for Jesus. Look at it like that. Secondly, I find myself saying something to help me just sit with Jesus, using my breath. I thank you that I'm loved. I thank you that I'm loved. You are just a phrase, and I'll say it silently. So again, we're just going to do that, okay? And this is just an example of what I think the most beautiful, rich time of Jesus can look like. So let's do this. Lord, I pray that this wouldn't just be an exercise, that we would meet with you as we do this. Help us to sit in silence with you because we follow the one who went to lonely places and sat in silence with his heavenly Father. Lord, this is a radical thing that we're doing, but help us in Jesus' name. So let's have two minutes of silence and just silence and still ourselves before God as we go into this quiet time. We'll start it now. Scripture reading, this is love. Not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. The devotion. For the Apostle John, learning to live in the immensity of the love of God is the power and source from which we love others. God's love is always first. Soren Kierkegaard, a Danish philosopher and theologian, summed it up well. You have loved us first, O God. Alas, 
We speak of it in terms of history as if you loved us first but a single time. Rather than that, without ceasing, you have loved us first many times and every day and our whole life through. When we wake up in the morning and turn our soul towards you, you are there first. You have loved us first. If I rise at dawn and at that same second turn my soul towards you in prayer, you are there ahead of me. You have loved me first. When I withdraw from the distractions of the day and turn my soul towards you, you are there first and thus forever. And we speak ungratefully as if you have loved us first only once. Kierkegaard captures for us a glimpse of the extraordinary nature of the love of God. So often we think we are waiting on God when the truth is that he is waiting on us. God is more different from us than the human mind is capable of grasping. His love is without strings and conditions. He simply loves human beings and there's nothing we can do or not do that will change that love. We will spend eternity in awe and wonder of this love that surpasses knowledge, a love so great that God became a human being in Jesus to die for our sins. The question to consider that you might journal in a quiet time, what difference might it make in your day to remember that in every moment you turn your heart to God, including this moment, he is waiting for you and loving you first. To close in prayer, Lord, open and expand the container of my heart to receive the depth and breadth of your love that surpasses knowledge and flows towards me every moment of every day. And may your love then flow through to me, to those around me today. In Jesus' name, amen. And then you'll conclude with another two-minute silence. That's taken us less than 10 minutes. Can you feel in your soul how connected to God you are and how, how beautiful it is? That's taken us, to, like, you have so many of these opportunities every day to do stuff like this. And these tools help structure our devotional life. And so my prayer is that we wouldn't just hear the word, we'd apply it, so that we would have uh, build our life on the rock, not on the sand. But that's up to you. So good luck, go, and uh, we've finished our service. It's called a crash land.